will start us off. Delusions run strong on this podcast. Rish Outfield has them. I have them. Our guests have them. If you listen long enough, you will have delusions too. The Journey Into Podcast is proud to present this journey into a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. A journey into Star Wars. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Star Wars Delusions of Grandeur here on the Journey Into Podcast. Uh, We have a great adventure for you today. We have a meticulous plan for how we're talking about the Ewok movies, or at least the first Ewok movie. So as always, I'm here with Rish Outfield. (laughs) Hello. Hey, Rish. Welcome back from the forest moon of Endor, Marshall. (laughs) Oh, thank you. (laughs) And we also have Big Anklevich again with us this week, this time, this month, whatever you want to call this. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Marshall? Well, I I was finally able to watch the Ewok adventure. Oh, so you're not doing so well then, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Low these many years of anticipation, and finally I was able to watch the movie. So, does that mean that you never saw this when you were younger? I never saw it. I don't know how I missed it. I know it was on TV. And it seems like something I would have wanted to see. It was also on a VHS tape that we recorded off of the TV at my house. (laughs) Yeah, it aired November, I want to say 25th, 1984. And I don't know that it ever repeated. Uh, ABC didn't own it. Lucasfilm owned it. And so it may have only aired the one time. But yes, I believe we also VHS recorded it. Is it something that you would watch over and over again, Big? I did. I watched it a bunch of times. Uh, I don't know how I, I managed. I guess I was a kid, so you know, you could, your your tolerance for really cringy stuff <laughs> is high. <laughs> and I loved all things Star Wars, so you know, I guess it makes sense that I was able to watch it a bunch of times. I don't know how many times I watched it before. You know, it was time to record something else onto that tape (laughs) but i did watch it enough that i still remember about the giant gorax although for some reason i thought it was just gorak with a k not with an x you have referred to the giant gorak so many times i thought it was gorak as well (laughs) Uh, marshall where would you have been in November of '84, that you missed this. I can't think of anywhere. I just might just I not was in a whorehouse in Bangkok. Why do you ask? <laughs> At the age of 14, I don't know. I must have just not known that it was coming on or paid attention or something. I didn't hear about these till years later when people said, "Oh yeah, you know the Ewok movies." I'm like, "You mean the cartoon?" They're like, "No, no, no, the live action ones." And so, and then I by then I couldn't get a hold of it. So. They made a DVD of it, but uh, those were hard to get and expensive, so I never did get it. Yeah, how long would you say we've been talking about doing this episode <laughs> with Big? At least two years. Something we were, you guys were talking about or something I mentioned that I hadn't seen him, and you guys were like, what? How could you not have seen it? And so then I actually sought it out 
And until Disney Plus put it up, I uh, didn't have the opportunity to see it. It kind of surprises me that Disney Plus put it up. I don't know. It it feels like one of those things like the the Christmas special that, you know, they, they tried to sweep under the rug and forget that it ever existed. Because, yeah, it's so... I don't know, off-brand maybe is the the word for it. It's so strange. It's not, It doesn't feel like a Star Wars movie at all. Aside from the fact, you know, yes, there are Ewoks in it. But that's about it for it feeling like a Star Wars movie. It feels like a bad, like maybe an after-school special kind of level of a fantasy movie. You know what I mean? There's... I guess there is, Mace does have a blaster for a while, right? So there is some small amount of space stuff that goes on. But he doesn't call it a blaster. He keeps calling it a gun. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, no, it's a blaster, dude. <laughs> but instead, there's so many just weird things. There's like a, I don't know, I, I, I thought of it as a wolf, like a giant wolf that tries to get them yeah. when they hide in that tree. And there's the part where Mace like touches the pond and gets like zapped underneath the water. And then there's the fairies. There's like a bunch of fairies flying around. And Tinkerbell comes to visit. Yeah, Tinkerbell is there and you know, and they're they're making a journey to the mountain far away where the monster is you know it's it's so much more like a tolkien kind of a story than it is a star wars kind of a story it's so weird it just does not i don't know who was in charge of it well does it big does it feel more like willow to you because i kept thinking about willow while we were watching it but thinking about Willow in a, boy, I wish I were watching Willow right now, sort of way. It does feel like like a bad, very off-brand version of Willow. I mean, it's the same actor, so that makes sense. I guess, uh, he, you know, he's just getting ready for his later role. Well, you, you asked who was in charge of this. And I think the answer has to be George Lucas. Yeah. Unlike the holiday special where he sort of signed off on it and said, you know, how about you do something about the Wookiees? And that was it. That was his contribution. In this, he wrote the story and then he hired the nanny of his kids. Is that right? To write the screenplay. Marshall, am I I telling tales out of school? No, I think that's correct. Yeah. And then he's executive producer. So... Yeah, I think ultimately he is the responsible one on this. I don't know if he was on the set every single day, you know, in every moment like he was on Return of the Jedi, but he can't claim that he didn't have anything to do with this one. Mm-hmm. And well, not that it... Not, I think... I don't know that he does say that he didn't have anything to do with this. It, he, I don't think I've ever heard him talk about the Ewok movies. People will bring up the holiday special with him, but not this... It, shoot, I don't want to bury the lead here. It was really bad, but it did get better as it went along. But I remember there was a movie that Big saw when he was a kid and thought was okay. And I won't say what the movie was, but it was a story that that never ends. 
and a story he, that just kept going on and on. Yeah, it did. Yeah, he <laughs> ended up watching that with his kids, and he was so embarrassed while he was watching it with his kids because it was awful. But his memories were that it hadn't been so awful, and that's how I felt during this. There were moments on this that I thought, "Oh boy, I have been so harsh with the prequels. I shouldn't have been." <laughs> <laughs> but but it's mostly just the first like half hour it's just unbearably bad and i think the fact that they had burl ives narrate it that they felt like they needed a narrator <laughs> to tell you what you were looking at was emblematic of just how little respect they had for the audience of or or how small a child this was intended for I'll be honest, I watched the last hour of it with a three-year-old. And he was just like, oh, hey, this is cool. Hey, that's a monster. <laughs> well, yeah, because that, that part's a little, like you said, it gets better towards the end. But I, I think, and I, I hate to say it, but, well, I guess I don't hate to say it, but I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But I think the most annoying thing about this was Mace, who was the main young character of this mace was always the most annoying thing about this show i hated mace even uh when i was a child and i thought this was a good movie and i remember when the the movie the next one which we're not talking about today came out and i was told that mace dies right away <laughs> oh sorry i was supposed to say spoiler alert before i said that dang um but anyways, yeah, I remember when I heard that, I was just like, oh, well, then I want to watch that one because that <laughs> one I can stand. Funny thing was, there was a lot of stuff about Mace that irritated me, but <laughs> most of all, he reminded me a lot of my mean older brother, <laughs> which was probably the main thing that really turned me off on Mace. Yeah, and even my kids, I mean... Like many things that I watch, that my kids were kind of in and out of it, and nobody was really watching it but me. But my son would come in, and he'd make little comments. And he's like, what's he wearing that orange outfit? Is, is he trying to be Luke Skywalker? And stuff like that. I'm like, he's like, he doesn't have an X-Wing or something. What's he wearing that for? Mesa's costume was the most Star Wars thing on this. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> it was. Yeah, he's at that age... Where his voice is all screechy. And for some reason, they decided to have him complain in every single scene. And and I don't even know if that stuff was script. They just said, okay, Eric, you're unhappy. Let us know. And then they just let him go. I got a rock. Oh, I got a rock. I wanted a stick. And I got a rock. Yeah, he's really hard to like. He's just so, so super annoying that... You keep kind of wanting him to die. <laughs> this, uh, it's funny because there's the opposite thing that sort of happened with Sindel. You know, everybody just loves Sindel. Like she was the cutest little cherub of a thing. Not like she was a great actress or that her character was all that great or anything like that. But for some reason, people always talked about Sindel. 
she was like the cute thing the thing that she was the baby yoda of the ewok movie <laughs> and I, not 100 percent earned although uh, honestly she is cute she's a cute little kid but yeah i don't know i mean she was she was such the baby yoda of the movie that they brought her back for that next battle of endor movie but killed everyone else off so they didn't have to bring anyone else back <laughs> And Sindel was our main character, which that's kind of crazy. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I think a lot of that had to do with Lucas. He was pretty much making these, I think, for his daughter, who was a little girl at the time. So he probably put her in the story as Sindel and built it around her. I, I guess maybe we should start a little bit and give a background for anybody who hasn't seen the movie. It takes place, of course, on Endor right after, well, that's in question too. I guess originally they were thinking these adventures were going to take place like a hundred years after Return of the Jedi was their original concept. And they were just going to explain that off saying that like Wookiees, Ewoks lived a long time. And so they, you know, the Wicked would still be around a hundred years later, but later on, in the old expanded universe canon, they explained that it took place between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. So this was a young wicket that met these kids. And so basically, yeah, it takes place on Endor, where the Ewoks are at. And this family is traveling and their spaceship crash lands on Endor. And they need to fix it. And so they're working on that. But then the parents get abducted by this giant Gorax. We don't see much of him at the beginning. We just He's just this foreboding creature that chases after them. But I think it was Wicket's father sees the children and comes or, and tries to help them. And then Wicket starts to become friends with Sindel until Mace shows up and he feels threatened. And so he, he almost tries to shoot Wicket. Am I getting that part right? Yeah. So she was, I, I don't, Big, did you pay attention to this? Do the movie? I kept finding other things I wanted to do, but <laughs> it starts with the parents like calling and saying, where are those kids? I told them not to go anywhere. Where are those kids? And then later, Wicket's dad, right? He goes into the ship and and Sindel is hiding like in a closet. Yeah. Or, yeah. A, you know, like a little supply cupboard. Right. And are we to understand that she was there the whole time when the parents were looking for them? I, I don't know that, that, that they care that much about what you're to understand. That either, either she came back or maybe the Gorax was running around chasing them all, but it only managed to take the two parents. Oh, okay. I don't know really what the deal is supposed to be. Just that their place was savaged by the Gorax. And she's hiding. The one thing I think is kind of funny about this movie too is that they didn't even bother to like go to the Redwoods to shoot this. I mean, they're they're just in Southern California. Maybe it's not Southern California. It looks more like Northern California, actually. All, all All the stuff that I saw in the scenery, I just thought, wow, that looks just like the areas where I grew up. Well, how far from Marin County were you? 
Yeah, it's uh, I, that's my guess because yeah, we were really close to that, and that's what everything looked like. Cause, you know, you have some trees, but the next thing you know, it's just the brown grass that is everywhere in Northern California, and they're just you know the rolling hills. And there's some trees there, but this is not the forest moon anymore. <laughs> this <laughs> is like the rest of California. They didn't they didn't bother to go to the redwoods and shoot it there. Funny. Silly, I don't know, lame. <laughs> oh, I think I read somewhere that it was out near Skywalker Ranch. Yeah, I can believe that. It looks looks more inland than uh, than Marin County for the most part. But yeah, I don't know. It was uh, fun to see him fly on the glider. <laughs> <laughs> that was just what... What year did this come out? 84? Right. It was just what 10-year-old me wanted to see. So, even though Mace doesn't trust the Ewoks, Sindel gets sick, and the Ewoks take her back to their home and take care of her and give her some medicine or whatnot. And then she needs more medicine. (laughs) She needs medicine. You have more? This. This. She needs more of this. (laughs) And then Burl Ives says, Sindel needed more medicine. <laughs> How long did it... It took me a little bit to figure out that it was Burl Ives. I'm like, boy, I sure recognize that voice. And then after a couple sentences, I'm like, oh, okay. That's uh, the same narrator as Rudolph. That's Burl Ives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I recognized his voice. I was just like, oh my gosh. I mean, I, I, you know, Burl Ives, the name Burl Ives doesn't come right to the top of my head immediately. But I was just like, oh the guy that he sings christmas songs i know that guy it's funny that that's who they used for the uh i guess that does say something about what age this was actually aimed at yeah all the way down so low that it was the same age that the prequels were aimed at well i i think there was there was more for adults in the prequels than there was in this (laughs) definitely i watched the special effects with a, what do you call it? Where, I guess with rose-colored glasses, but I I remember as a little boy thinking that they weren't very good back then. And what's interesting is like there's that wolf thing that you guys were talking about, and some of the time it's stop motion and it looks like garbage, <laughs> and then other times it's a puppet and it looks fine. I'm, just use the puppet, dude. Like, they, they used a puppet for the Rancor, and it always looks like it's really there because it's a puppet. Well, I don't know if, if you can defend that the same way when we start talking about the spiders. Oh, my gosh, you're right. Oh, the spider. <laughs> <laughs> the three-year-old was digging that, though. Like he was watching it, and, and he knew that they were spiders. And so he got as much from it as you can. Yeah. <laughs> So like you said, they, they end up going on a quest to save Sindel and Mace's parents. There's this Ewok shaman, <laughs> I guess you could call her. Isn't it Logre? Oh no, Logre is... Yeah, Logre, Logre. Is Logre a female? No, Logre's male. I thought... Oh, okay. So but but you're, you <laughs> might be confusing. Logre is the one with a clear mustache and beard in this. And I don't think he had a mustache and beard in Return of the Jedi. Okay. 
So but Low Gray gives them all magic items <laughs> that they take on their journey with them. First doesn't wait, doesn't Low Gray make them pick which finger is the most powerful finger of all before he does that? No, no, no. That's that's the other movie. Oh shoot. I'm getting them mixed up. Sorry. Wait, wait, what is that? It's that's, from Willow. That's what the shaman in Willow does before they set out on their journey. Well done, Big. I I didn't get the reference, darn it. <laughs> and then so they yeah, they take off a bunch of Ewoks and Sindel and Mace go on this journey. And they it's pretty much, you know, they they run into challenges and try to figure out where they're going and Somewhere along the line, I think it's a candle or something. They light this candle and all the fairies start showing up. Called They're called something else, but they're pretty much fairies. And they capture one of these fairies. And it's, you can tell it's animated and it's kind of got these different poses. That it, and it has a little sing-song voice. But much like Tinkerbell, it's also angry and whatnot. And... I think, does she guide them on their journey, help them, or just go along for the ride? I don't know. I, I think it was an expensive special effect, and so she's just gone until they need her again at the end. Yeah. Yeah, doesn't, don't, don't they go into the candle? Isn't that how, because, like, the, they're all flying around, and isn't the candle what they use to catch them all? They can't, they light the candle up, and then all the fairies are like, oh, we'll go in there instead, and they all go in there. But there's the one left over that becomes their friend. <laughs> it's funny because we just watched this movie, and yet none of us can remember. I mean, truthfully, I watched it. When did you guys ask me to watch this thing? I think I watched it like a month and a half ago. So, you know, it, it wasn't very memorable to begin with, truthfully. Right. <laughs> and, yeah, a lot of that stuff I'd forgotten all about until I saw it again, like the fairies. Yeah, I'd totally forgotten about that. And there's the um, the Ewok that's like doesn't live with the other Ewoks, but they found him out, and he's like the woodsman or something like that. Yeah, he had a name. The tough Ewok. <laughs> His name was Chuka Trock, and he was on the animated show, the cartoon. They ported that guy. He was so beloved that they incorporated. <laughs> he was the Harley Quinn. Of the Star Wars universe. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I found out it's they're not fairies. They were wisties. Okay. <laughs> so, yes, they, they do run into Chuka Trock along the way. And, and I think he, he fights one of them for a while or whatever. And then he agrees to go with them that they're on a worthy journey or whatever. And so he, he joins their, their troop. And eventually they, they do get to the fortress or whatever of the Gorax. Oh, and then uh, who remembers the thing about the rock? Well, Mace got the rock from the shaman or whatever. And he's like, this is stupid. I don't want a rock. Rocks are dumb. This guy got a candle. I can't believe I have to have a rock. And he just <laughs> drops it. And then the other... Ewok sees that he's dropped it and he picks it up and saves it for him. And then they get to the the mountain that they're supposed to go in and they're like, oh, where's your rock, Mace? And he's like, oh, yeah, my rock. And he searches in his pocket 
as though it was ever there and realizes that he ditched it like an a-hole and then the other Ewok comes over and is like oh I saved it for you you don't have to face the repercussions of your actions your parents won't have to die because you're an a-hole and so I think they break the rock open and there's like a little arrowhead inside of it that's right that's what it was and as is the thing with this movie we have a magic arrowhead now because there's magic in this new star wars universe not the force it's just magic and yeah so this magic arrowhead spins around and then it goes in under the ground and shows them basically how they can get in there's like a cave hiding behind there and so that's right go in the cave and they sneak into the Gorax. Now, here's a question for you guys. This giant Gorax comes and takes their parents. Why does it bring them home and put them into a little cage and just keep them like birds? I mean, and, and it keeps them there for weeks and weeks. Is this thing a monster that's going to eat them like we are led to believe or not? Because he... Why would he still have them in a cage? And they're the only ones that are in it. It's not like he has a whole bunch of creatures or right. whatever. And he's gigantic, so like they're a mouthful. Yeah, I certainly got the impression that he wanted to eat them. I don't know why he didn't, but he had those great big bones he was gnawing at at the table, and so he was going to finish his leftovers, and then he would get something fresh. He's very big on eating nose to tail, so he had to finish the bones of the last (laughs) creature that he kidnapped. Well, and I guess jumping to the the end, too, when they finally got to the parents and they went up into the cage with the parents, I don't know what they did to get the parents out that the parents couldn't have done themselves. Yeah, totally. There was nothing there. They climb in through the bars, so the bars are not enough to keep anyone from getting in there (laughs) did they even rope like they had a rope i guess they could get down with but doesn't the rope break or something before they even get to the bottom so they fall anyways Uh, one of the ewoks falls and i think the dad catches it (laughs) yeah so that was kind of funny but of course once they're in the cavern or whatever to get to the where the gorax is at there's still a bunch of different challenges and, and the biggest is they have to go over this log or whatever across a, a big ravine and there's uh, spiders and spider webs there and, and they have to fight them off. To me, that was like the most grown worthy. I mean, other than Mace himself, I was like, man, this is just terrible. The, the way those spiders looked. But again, I guess I'm looking at it. You know, I wasn't watching it when I was 14 years old or younger. I was watching it as an adult, so maybe if I had been younger, I wouldn't have cared that the spiders looked terrible. Yeah, I mean, I was 10, and I, I didn't, I mean, I knew that they sucked. Even then, I was just like, wow, that that spider sucks. But <laughs> I was more forgiving, I guess, of that kind of stuff back then. I think if you saw it when you were 14, you would have been like, wow, that spider, you, you would not have appreciated this. This may have killed off 
your love for Star Wars had you seen it when you were 14. So you probably should be glad that you didn't hear anything about it. I probably should be. Since you were older than us, did you have issues with Ewoks? Like many other people say that they did when Return of the Jedi came out, where you're just like groaning and like, oh, Ewoks are lame. They're just teddy bears. No, I always liked the Ewoks. I thought they were cool. And I was I could never understand why people hated the Ewoks until <laughs> I watched this movie. And I thought, well, maybe <laughs> this is why they hate the Ewoks. It could be. Then the, then the next movie came out a year later. So maybe and then the cartoon came out. Maybe people just got sick and tired of Ewoks. Yeah. And that went back. And then they, when they watch Return of the Jedi, they're like, oh, more of these guys. But just watching the movie, Return of the Jedi, I I liked the Ewoks. I thought they were cool. Okay. Now I was just curious because I have been told by some that, you know, depending on the age that you were at when Return of the Jedi came out and whether you still loved your teddy bear <laughs> is whether you liked the Ewoks or not. The level of cartoonishness, though, in this compared to Return of the Jedi, just like the way that the Ewoks spoke and looked and acted in Return of the Jedi was so much better than than in this, where they just like they would talk, but their mouths wouldn't move. And maybe that stuff happened in Jedi, but it was it was hidden a little bit better. And like Wicket definitely emoted and opened and closed his mouth when he was talking to Leia. And then, you know, in the, the Blu-ray version, he blinked. Do you remember that? <laughs> but in this, yeah, just they, they seemed so stiff and so, like, really awkward. And you could tell that they were little people with really cumbersome suits on. And then, yeah, they did have their own language, but it felt much more dubbed in. And, and, and was I wrong? Do you guys remember one of the Ewoks speaks English to Mace? Yeah, doesn't Wicket do that, like, right at the end? Oh, does Wicket? I know in, in Battle for Endor he does. But... I think he says I, th I think he says something like, I'll be right here. <laughs> You're a monster. <laughs> <laughs> Keep getting those movies mixed up. <laughs> yeah, the, the cost it's weird, the costumes with that. I remember talking about this with my best friend uh, when I was in grade school and this show came out, talking about just the costumes and you know th my friend was more savvy with these kind of things i just assumed it was all the same stuff and i don't know i guess i assumed that they had the same budget or something like that from return of the jedi to the ewok movie and he was just like no dude the ewoks in in the ewok adventure are so like they, their mouths don't move they don't you know they don't anything they're just they're just a mask which is seems weird to me like why would that be did they just burn all the costumes after uh they shot return of the jedi they didn't just stick them into the costume room and then just oh we're gonna make another movie let's pull them all back out we got this one still fits uh warwick he'll be able to just hop right in would, would he be able to still hop right into it is he grown? I don't think so. I, I would think two years later he was an inch taller, which I guess is a mean thing to say. Sorry, but it, 
Wicket doesn't look the same in this as he did in Jedi. In Jedi, he was so little. Yeah. So my guess is they had to have an all-new Wicket costume. And Logre is totally different. Yeah, I mean... So I, I don't know if any of these Ewoks are the same ones from Return of the Jedi. Well, I'm, I'm certain that they're not, because the ones in Return of the Jedi didn't suck like these did. <laughs> but why? You know, like, what, what did they do with the better costumes, and why wouldn't they dig them out... Because it seems like, at the very least, that would save... I mean, you know they got no budget as it is. How much money would they save by pulling out the old costumes instead of having to make all new, even a Wicket costume, you know? But they did, because there was no expression on any of their faces or any of that kind of stuff. They didn't even move their mouths. They would just talk, but, you you know, you don't see any movement whatsoever. Might as well have been a paper mache mask or something like that. Well, it could be that the masks and costumes were all still in in London, but I you would think that they had all been shipped back to Lucasfilm. Uh, Skywalker Ranch probably existed in 1984, right? Yeah, it did. I don't know the timeline on that. Yeah, I'm pretty by the by the end of Return of the Jedi. I'm pretty sure Skywalker Ranch was was a thing. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting that, that they have all new costumes. But, you know, whatever, I guess. <laughs> it wasn't up to snuff, for sure. But none of the stuff in the movie was. So I guess it fit right in. It would probably be weird if it did look good. Because you'd be like, wait. But this whole movie sucks. Why don't the Ewoks suck, too? <laughs> well, there's one moment so. at the very end where Warwick Davis sticks his tongue out the little slot of Wicket's mouth and he licks his teeth. <laughs> and I remembered that he did that a bunch of times in Jedi. And I thought, oh, that's, there, there's some continuity there. That's cool. But I'm really looking for things to like. <laughs> like, like another thing, big, uh, they play the John Williams music, the Ewok march or whatever you call it. During like one moment of the movie. And what was your reaction there? I, I was probably asleep by that point. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I was gonna, just going to say, Peter Bernstein was the composer on this. Was he any any relation to Elmer Bernstein? I don't know. Leonard Bernstein, you mean? So, uh, talking about Elmer Bernstein, the, the music, the, the composer. Oh, yes. He is the son of Elmer Bernstein. Well, there you go. Yeah, I, I I assume that these what, these came out as what do they call them vintage or something? Yeah, Disney Plus put them as as vintage along with the Tarakovsky uh, Clone Wars and the only remnant of the holiday special, the story of a faithful Wookie. Right. Um, Did you watch that big? I have seen that. Yes. The, that's one of those things that every. Star Wars fans should see because they brought everybody back. Even James Earl Jones is in that. <laughs> but the animation is so, so awful that it's it, my head wants to explode every time I watch it because it sounds like <laughs> Star Wars. Right. I'm, I'm assuming because these are... Vi well, shoot, I don't know. if vintage, You said Clone Wars was in there as vintage? The original Tarakovsky Clone Wars... Which is... The little micro-series. Okay, that's the 2D animated, not the 3D animated one. Right. But that still counts as canon stuff, right? 
No. Oh, really? They've decanonized that and and this. They decanonized that one because that one specifically went or bridged the gap, I guess, or whatever you want to say, from one movie to the next. And it, didn't that one end right on the battle that Revenge of the Sith starts with? Yeah, they show Chancellor Palpatine get kidnapped, and yeah, and, and what's his name, uh, General Grievous has been injured, and. And when we first see Grievous in Revenge of the Sith, he's all hunched over and breathing funny because he's been injured. Yeah, it, it, there was some craft. And But they decanonized that anyways? Marshall can tell you why. I'm sure it contradicts stuff in the 3D animated Clone Wars. Yeah, I think when they did their own, when they started the 3D Clone Wars, I think they started fresh again, saying, oh no, now we're going to tell the real thing. Huh. Okay. <laughs> So, obviously, that means then that the Ewok adventures are decanonized. Yes. But here and there, they'll do things. It's it's kind of, It makes me think of, like, DC Comics, for example. You know, they had their crisis on Infinite Earths, and they collapsed their universe down and got rid of, you know, Beppo the super monkey and Streaky <laughs> the super horse. Was that the horse's name? No, I think Comet is the super horse and Streaky is the super cat. Oh, Streaky was the cat? I think so. Am I right, Marshall? That sounds right. When they got rid of all those things, probably wisely so. But then you had like Jeff Loeb and stuff come in and oh, he likes those things. And he would start reintroducing goofy stuff from before back in. And so all of a sudden, Crypto the Superdog is back in, you know, the regular universe. And they, I don't know, have to nuke it again with another crisis i wonder if that kind of thing could happen with star wars because i i mean at the very least life day has been yanked from the sewage line of history and restored to uh to its rightful place at the center of the star wars universe because you know mandalorian they were celebrating life day or they mentioned life day Uh, and then of course in their goofy little lego christmas special they talked about life day again i don't know that that means anything per se because it's not like lego star wars is canon or something but you know these these kind of silly things are coming back i hope if they keep this kind of stuff up that Sindel Tawani makes a, a, a new appearance. Maybe we'll see Sindel now that she's grown up in the, the, the Mandalorian. Mandalorian. If you're listening, John Favreau, get Sindel into the show. <laughs> that would have been good. <laughs> they missed a, a big opportunity to reveal that Captain Phasma was Sindel Tawani. I... Oh... That's, oh, yeah. Well, I guess they need somebody to be the uh, star of Rangers of the New Republic. So we could pull Sindel out since the old star is officially banished. Yeah, I think they opted to uh, put that on a indefinite hiatus. Well, now that they've heard my idea, I'm sure they'll change that. That's true. <laughs> That's true. will be like, oh, yes, we just need a, somebody with really curly blonde hair. Wouldn't that be awesome, though? Like, the the rangers of the, you know, they have them come out, and one of them is Sindel. And she's tough as nails because she's been fighting Goraxes since she was three. 
<laughs> yeah, she has like Gorex tusks or something like that on her uniform. Yeah, <laughs> she's got them hanging on her like Boba Fett has the Wookiee uh, braids or whatever it is that he's got on his thing. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess since you brought up the Gorax again, I I didn't feel as bad about the Gorax. I didn't mind that effect or that character. I mean, it wasn't great, but it was a lot better than the spiders and the wolf thing that they fought. I, I saw that as a, as a menacing figure. The only thing is I kept thinking they could have got Sweetums from the Muppets to play the Gorax. It does. It moves in exactly the same way. It's possible it's the same actor. It could be. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, when he's chasing them at the end and then he falls down the ravine and at at some point Chukatrak gets killed along the way, right? Yeah, and I kind of like that cuz he we get a little bit of acting and emoting from Mace Tawani and then the Ewok dies and it actually closes its eyes and it made me wonder how they did that. Because none of the Ewoks had eyelids. <laughs> right. But this one's this one did. So it closes its eyes and it dies and it gives him the axe. And then he's able to save the day with the axe. It almost became entertaining there. <laughs> almost. almost. But yeah, and then you know, I guess it ends off with, you know, the family's gonna fix up their ship and they're all reunited and the parents realize that the kids don't need him anymore because <laughs> they're such ineffectual parents. But yep, yep, yeah. The, the the funny thing, and a spoiler alert again. I forgot to say this beforehand, but apparently the next movie begins with Mace and the parents being killed and Sindel left alone. I don't know what it is about that, but that just makes me so upset, so angry that. The entire caravan of courage was for nothing because they just died a year later. <laughs> we did all this crap to save these people and Mace learned some things and maybe it wouldn't be such a douchebag in the future. And then we just kill them all off just so we can have Sindel and nobody else because she's cute and the rest are annoying. <laughs> well, that's what Fox learned from this movie and they applied it to Alien 3. <laughs> Very true. There you go. I did hear that Lucas's daughter was very upset that uh, Chuka Truck was killed. And so when they started the next movie, George Lucas said none of the Ewoks could die. It, <laughs> but I guess that made it open season on the humans. <laughs> there you go. I was just looking here at the, the vintage section of the Disney+. Plus. And it looks like they added droids in there. The, Ooh, the droids cartoon is in there? Yeah. Mm, I remember. They had the Ewoks in there from the beginning, but now it looks like they have added droids. So that's interesting. I remember really liking the droids cartoon. Maybe we'll have to do a podcast about that one after I watch it. <laughs> Although I doubt that I will really like it anymore. <laughs> we can watch the Boba Fett episode. I remember how exciting that was as a child to see Boba Fett in, in the cartoon and I don't really remember anything else. <laughs> oh, there was two seasons of that. Anyway, I'm getting off. There's two seasons of droids? I thought there was only one of droids and two seasons of Ewoks. Shows two seasons. So the first season has 13 episodes and then season two. Oh, season two only has one episode. So I don't know if you would count that as a season two. Huh. Okay. 
for droids. I also remember enjoying the droids, but not enjoying the Ewok cartoon. And I don't know what it was. Because you were too old? You didn't like your teddy bear anymore by then, finally, huh? Yeah, uh, yeah, that's probably it. (laughs) But it's hard for me to go against a droid. So So at the end of all this, what what do you guys give this uh, Ewok adventure, The Caravan of Courage? Two thumbs up. Do you recommend that? That everyone should watch this, or is this a skip? I think unless you're a completist, it's a skip. You can watch it for the just the knowledge of it. Similar to, I would watch this again before I would watch the holiday special. But <laughs> that's about it. You could watch it for the lols. <laughs> if you really like watching bad old movies, then watch this. And then watch Jim Cotta. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm going to agree with Marshall. It's not good, but for what it's supposed to be, which seems to be a way to continue the franchise and appeal to very small children, it succeeds on that level. There are a couple of charming special effects, and then, yes, there's stuff like the spiders. And the the magic of that world, you know, even as remote as as this is that there are still a couple of recognizably star wars elements to it i like that i mean i don't like that there are horses and stuff and there are llamas and it just made me think well couldn't somebody have like painted green camouflage on that llama or something you know just just (laughs) just so that they didn't look like what they were right because that 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 wolf thing it's a monster. It's it's not something we've seen before. And the Gorax looks like a monster. It it's an alien. It's a bigfoot. And, but then it, there are just really boring typical animals in there and I'm not sure how you get around that. But just in a world where they took an elephant and they made it into a bantha, it seems like they could have done something whether it was just put a horn on a llama or spikes on a horse yeah there was other things like that too weren't there other animals like didn't the ewoks have them in like little cages and like stuff? ferrets yeah the ferret or whatever that they're feeding the start they did they did a lot of that just using actual animals and it's like yeah this that's fine they also have llamas on endor oh this one also had those weird worm things too right was that Oh, I don't remember any worm things. Was that in this movie? That's Willow. I think the worm things might be in the sequel. Oh, you're thinking Willow again? No, no. No, I, he can't be talking about the Eber Sisk, can he? The dragons with the squashed faces? No, no, not those. <laughs> anyway, I must be thinking of something else. Is it uh, the second movie that has that? I haven't watched that yet. No, it's not in there either. I must be thinking of something else. Did it have... A very, very young Molly Ringwald in it? <laughs> I don't think so. So what What about you, Big? What's your, uh, what's your take on it? Uh, you know, you got to run from this movie as fast as you can. It's, it's not worth the time that you'll spend on it. Even if you are a completist, just get over that impulse because there's things that just you need to leave behind. <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those things, and it's weird that you guys say that it was that George Lucas was so much behind it because it feels like one of those things where they're like, hey, we need a Star Wars movie. Get this guy here to be the writer. And that guy's like, well, I've never seen Star Wars. 
I haven't seen any of them. And they're like, that's okay. You know, here, just, just write, write us a movie. And he's like, it's about a bunch of Ewoks. They're, they're like these bear looking kind of guys. And they live in like huts in a forest. Okay. And you just need an adventure for him. He's like, well, okay. And he writes what would be an appropriate adventure for bear creatures that live in huts in a forest. <laughs> yeah. And then you're like, oh, well, this is not Star Wars at all. Did the guy that wrote this never even see the movie? I mean, come on, this sucks. That's what it feels like. And that kind of stuff happens a fair amount with a lot of properties that should be respected more. Hollywood is full of a lot of, you know, the kind of people that I went to film school with in some cases that, you know, they wanted to uh, do something artistic and they were artists or artistes. They wanted to be an auteur and do, you know, important movies about important subjects. They didn't know Star Wars. They didn't watch Star Wars. They didn't care about it. Now, there wasn't that many people like that. But I think those were the people that went on and actually succeeded. And the rest of us dorks who watch Star Wars are the ones that are just doing podcasts about Star Wars 20 <laughs> years later after we've graduated. And I think that happens a, a fair amount, unfortunately, with with properties that should get more respect, you know, like Superman or, or somebody like that. They'll just make a movie like freaking Man of Steel and try and pass that off as Superman when it's obvious they've never read Superman in their life. But yeah, avoid the Ewok adventure, which why is it called Caravan of Courage? You were you were saying in an email or something that because it was called the Ewok adventure that I remember. Yeah, and I guess originally they were they were just going to pitch like a half hour thing on television, but nobody wanted a half hour show. They wanted a feature length movie of the week kind of thing. And so they expanded it into the longer movie. And so then, they added five minutes of the guy flying around in his glider and looking down. <laughs> pretty much. But then they, they did release it overseas as a movie. And that I think that's when it got the Caravan of Courage title to it. Hmm. Okay. And yeah, what we were seeing didn't seem to have the act outs that you get on a TV movie. So I, I wondered if it was any different than the 1984 version. Yeah, and it said Caravan of Courage and Ewok Adventure, right? Yes. But yeah, in November of 84, it was just called The Ewok Adventure. And I, anyway, I wondered if there were any other differences, little changes. I was reading the other day about uh, Buck Rogers in the 25th century. Was it 25th? Yep. Did you watch the Toy Galaxy show? I did. Me too. <laughs> and he was saying that that was theatrically released because uh, Battlestar Galactica, the, the pilot movie of that, was shown overseas in theaters. And it did well enough for Universal or, or Warner Brothers or whoever it was that they said, okay, we'll show the first Buck Rogers theatrically here in America. And then we'll go ahead and, and do a series based on that. But they made all these changes between the theatrical and when they, they showed Buck Rogers on TV. Obviously, like the profanity was cut out, but like characters that died in the movie didn't die in the TV version. And, huh. yeah. 
Tiger Man survives in the TV show. <laughs> and I thought that that was really, really interesting. And if you get like, is it the Blu-ray or the DVD box set? You can watch both versions if you want to. So I, I wondered about that, you know, it's like, well, maybe some of the violence was toned down on the TV version. Not that it was violent, but you know what I mean? I, that it's just, I, I didn't know. It was like you were saying, you didn't have the, the act out parts for sure. Like, you know, you always get in TV movies, like say the wolf has got them pinned in and you can see the wolf's mouth going right there at the, at the little crack that they squeezed in at. And then it cuts to the commercial. And then at the end of the commercial, you see the same shot of the wolf's mouth. You know, you see it again. The the kind of thing that you hate. That kind of stuff's really obvious when the commercials aren't there. Like, way worse. Like, my wife watches a bunch of reality shows. Yeah. They're like the show where they're flipping the house. They're fixing up the beat up old house and and selling it and they'll have some part where they're like oh no we just found out that this beam has to be redone or something and that's going to cost us thousand extra dollars and then it goes to the commercial and then they come back and say the almost the exact same thing yeah except there isn't a commercial and then when you come back it's the exact same oh yeah this beam is going to cost us a thousand dollars and without the commercial there oh my gosh you're just like oh why seems like when they want to put something like that out they ought to do like they did with with the ewok adventure and and remove the excess and i assume they removed it maybe they didn't maybe there weren't cheesy act outs like that but uh no i'm i'm sure that there were but we're just watching the theatrical version and uh i'm sure it was better that with one less thing to complain about yeah and uh, anyway i wanted to mention two last things before we go First, uh, Big, have you ever seen the poster for Caravan of Courage The that they got Drew Struzan to paint? I don't think so. If you get a chance to see it, it's beautiful. It, it, it looks like, well, it's Drew Struzan, the greatest poster artist of all time. But it, it makes this movie look so much better than it is. <laughs> it has a tagline in it. The tagline is, you'll live the adventure. You'll love its heroes. <laughs> Which, you know, is a lie. Uh, but then the other thing I want <laughs> Sounds like the whole poster is a lie, really. If it makes it look great and all this <laughs> stuff, then the entire thing is a lie. No, it's just elements from the movie in a dynamic presentation. It's got Sindel and, and Mace and the Ewoks and the parents huddled in fear. Anyhow, the other thing I wanted to mention was the giant Gorax. <laughs> And Marshall probably knows where I'm going with this, but we see the giant Gorax again in uh, one of those cartoons that they did a few years back. What were the, those cartoons called, Marshall? The the ones that were they were made to sell dolls. Oh, yeah, the forces of destiny, right? Yeah, and and there's one that takes place on Endor, and it's Luke and Leia doing battle with a giant Gorax. And uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, they actually get Hamill to voice Leia. Uh, to voice Leia. He's that talented. <laughs> He's that good of a voice actor. <laughs> to voice Luke Skywalker again. I remember seeing that and thinking, wow, that's that's really neat. And they used the same design as the Ewok adventure for the Gorax. And uh, I 
don't know if that makes it canon, but it it, it is kind of <laughs> neat. Yeah, that might be canon. That's another thing. Next thing you next thing you know, Sindel is going to be a ranger. <laughs> it's happening. Well, they need another you know strong female protagonist. So that's right. They should make one of those for uh, the forces. Are they forces of destiny? Is that what they were called? That was yeah, the little webisode things. Yeah, because I have one of those. I have one of those dolls. <laughs> the one of Princess Leia. In her Endor stuff, it comes with a little with a little uh, wicket. Now it makes me want to go watch the. Uh, I never thought I'd want to watch the Forces of Destiny again. Well, at least watch that one. That's something I recommend everybody watch, because it's a tiny little adventure. It's like six minutes long, but you get to see Luke and Leia after Return of the Jedi on Endor. I think there are Ewoks running around, and and it's just, I love those characters so much that even a glimpse that's made for little girls still manages to touch me. And I think Hera Sandula is with them too, isn't she? I, I don't know if she's in that one. She is in the Forces of Destiny cartoon. Yeah. Yeah, they should make a Forces of Destiny about Sindel. <laughs> I, I think if the Ewok adventure were more beloved, they would. <laughs> once, once she becomes a ranger of the New Republic, they'll, they'll have dolls for her. We have never seen the Ewoks again, right? They've never brought them in in any of the Disney stuff? Like, the, there's no Ewoks or references to Ewoks in Mandalorian. Am I correct? Well, I don't think so. Not yet, anyway. they mentioned, We did have them in uh, the end of uh, Rise of Skywalker, where they walk out and cheer. That's true, they do. And yeah, I, I had forgotten that. I... They get Warwick Davis to come back, and I think Warwick's son plays his uh, his son, right? No, oh, yeah, yeah, I think so. I'm trying, yeah, I'm trying to think of the name of him, but I, I can't remember it. It's something awful, like Widget or something. I'm sure, right? Yeah, yeah, it's something pretty <laughs> bad. Oh, rad! I just looked. At, I was just looking up uh, Sindel, and here's somebody in a Sindel Tawani Halloween costume. Oh, I love nice. that. <laughs> Okay, so Wicket's son is named Pomet Warwick. Ah. Oh my gosh, he named his son Harrison. Do you think that's a coincidence? No. <laughs> huh. Warwick Davis is just excellent. He, he's so great. And the fact that he, he could continue to have a career after the, these Ewok movies is a testament to how talented and charismatic he is, or his <laughs> agent is. Right. Big and I are collecting all of the Ewok figures that Star Wars Black puts out. So, so far in the six years, they started in 2013. So that's eight years, right? Yeah. Yeah. In the eight years, they have released two Ewoks. <laughs> <laughs> and they all came within the last, what, year and a half? It was all in 2020. Yeah. So somebody still is really, really hesitant to put out Ewok toys. Yeah, but would you rather have an Ewok or a Bodhi Rook? <laughs> I would rather have an Ewok. I love the Ewoks. <laughs> <laughs> but there is going to be a Bodhi Rook here in the fall, so don't feel bad. Yes, thought that was interesting. Well, I guess we could close the chapter on this Ewok adventure, and uh, we'll come back again and get together and talk about the battle for Endor. In our next episode. Which is supposed to be better. I think it is. 
You've already watched it then, huh? I Yeah, I watched it Saturday. All right. I watched it in 1985. <laughs> it's got some Wilford Brimley action in there. Yeah. <laughs> and that's really the right thing to do and a tasty way to do it. Yeah, I don't even know if I... I think... I'm pretty sure I watched it in 1985, but the more I think about it, I wonder if I missed it or something. Hey, do... Big, didn't you watch the Ewoks Battle for Endor when you were a teenager? <laughs> I was having sex when I was a teenager. <laughs> the weird thing is, what I remember that movie for, The Battle for the Planet Endor, was that there was a lady who had boob armor. And I think that may have been my introduction to the concept of boob armor. She had a breastplate with boobs in it. <laughs> and I just thought, oh. Is that something you remember, Marshall? Well, that's from Saturday, yeah. But... Okay, well, I, I see I have... I have no memory of that, and I just, I didn't know if I, another thing he remembers from Willow. <laughs> no, I think it's a legit memory, but that's all I can remember from it. Well, we'll also uh, be bringing you, in the next little while, a bit of fiction that Big Anklevich wrote. For it was for you, yeah. When I wrote it originally, it was supposed to just be for fun. It wasn't going to be my <laughs> my entry in the uh, Journey into Journey contest, but then I never f- was able to finish my actual entry into the Journey into Journey contest. And I think there was a size limit. Wasn't there a size limit, Marshall? Uh, yeah, it was, I think, up to 7,500 words. Yeah, I think I was already above 7,500 words, and I'd only got, I, I'd barely started. And I realized that I, the idea that I came up with to go along with Still They Ride was like a novel length idea and I needed to do something else for the contest. And so I wrote this other idea that I thought would be fun. It's basically a post-Death Star 2, what happens to the people who used to work for the Empire so it, it fits in with the post-Return uh, of the Jedi theme here. Yeah. These people may, the people that are the main characters of the story may have once known Sindel, Tawani, and Mace. And <laughs> they may have first-hand experience with Wicket W. Warwick. So stay tuned for that, I guess. Very good. It's not really a very good story, though. Sorry. Hey, hey! That is for them to decide. <laughs> Not a very good tease, is it, when you say that? Uh, well, hey, if, if you guys that are listening to this podcast uh, have any comments about the Caravan of Courage or want to defend Mace or anything else that we've talked about today, you can uh, send an email to journeyintopodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to support the podcast, head on over to patreon.com slash journey into. But I think we, we will leave you once again, and we'll come back and talk more Ewoks next time. Thanks for joining us for this big, and may the force be with you. No problem. You can talk the talk, but can you walk the Ewok? <laughs> that should have been on the poster. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yep, nub. Nubby chub. Hey, did you hear somebody say yub nub in the movie? Just just say yes and we'll move on. I don't think I did. I did. I heard somebody say yub nub and I was like, oh, wow. 
I'm going to ask Marshall to capture that audio so I can use it as my ringtone. <laughs> well, that would mean I'd have to watch it again. The worst part was it was the spider that said Yub Nub. <laughs> you can see here the delusions of grandeur podcast orbiting the forest moon of Journey Into. Although the Creative Commons license of this podcast is not yet operational, it does have a strong defense mechanism. It is protected by a non-commercial, no-derivative, share-alike energy shield, which prevents it from being altered, repurposed, or sold. Until this shield is down, our cruisers can share the fire with whomever they like, while the fighters attempt to knock out the main reactor. May the Force be with us. A bit of fiction that Big Anklevich wrote for for of uh, help me out here. How do I describe it, Big? It stuck to the bottom of my shoe, and <laughs> well, the, the title, the subtitle of the story is a Star Wars fan fiction for Marshall Latham and Rish Outfield. Okay, so you did write it for us. <laughs>